Hey, hope you're having a great week. Before we dive into today's episode, just wanted to catch you up on a few things. So we have some exciting news around our online school and the platform that we use. We're actually moving over to a new platform that hopefully is going to be even more easily accessible and have lots of fun sort of bells and whistles that are going to help you in the process of learning everything that you absolutely need to know about hormones and your health. So bear with us as that move happens over the next five to six weeks. Hopefully you won't notice anything because really we won't be up and running on that platform until everything's moved over from the previous platform. So in the meantime, previous platform is running as usual and you can actually go ahead and take 20% off any of the Um, classes on there right now, with the exception of Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint, because that is a live session that is about to end. But if you're interested in the next session of Hormone Breakthrough Blueprint, let me know because I'm so excited. It's been such an amazing live program. I'm so, so excited um, for everything that's going to happen next time because this one just blew my mind and I know it's going to keep getting better and better. But in the meantime, you can go to christinegarvin.thinkific.com, take 20% off of any of the classes on there with code MOVING. So that's M-O-V-I-N-G. That's our little moving sale. Um, And you can basically take advantage of that for the next couple of weeks get on that. There's some great classes on there and um, discounts are always fun, right? The other thing that's happening, I wanted to remind you or let you know for the first time, if you haven't heard me talk about it before, is that I am doing a workshop on April 19th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and it's called Bringing Sexy Back, Kickstarting a Lagging Sex Drive. So this has just been coming up big time in my practice over the last few months. Um, It's such a you know, incessant, um, not fun thing that happens for so many women. And especially you get into your late thirties, your early forties, and you're overwhelmed with, you know, work, family, kids, and all the things. Um, and your hormones are simultaneously plummeting. And so here we are with a sex drive that is literally in the toilet. So I'm here to share how to get that sex drive back because to me, sex drive isn't just about sex. Um, it is certainly a big part of it, but it's also about your vitality, right? In life. So vitality impacts us in our work. It impacts us in our relationships. It impacts us how how we move in the world and you want to feel good, right? You want to feel vital and energetic and all of these things. So that's what this workshop is all about. We're going to have some really good juicy stuff in there. So I'd love for you to join. Just go to christinegarvin.com. At the top of the page, you'll see any little blue thing that goes across the top. You can click on I'm ready and join that workshop. Again, happening on April 19th at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you can't make that time, you can still sign up and you're going to get all the goodies sent to you just as soon as we finish doing the live session. So it's like you're going to even be there even if you aren't able to be there. You know, it's the same thing. So um, I hope that you are able to make it and I hope to um, see you in all kinds of places here real soon. Let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. 
No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. You know how I love to talk about stress and the endocrine system and all of these things that impact our hormones. And today we're going to be diving into something that's even, um, I don't want to say more powerful, but it is sort of the uh, epicenter of a lot of what is going on in our body and how things impact us. And it's just such an exciting new area that I know we haven't covered on the podcast before. So I'm super pumped to talk about it with today's guest, who's Alyssa Chang, who's a neuroscience health coach for those seeking a scientific, compassionate, and whole human approach to health and healing. So you can learn how to live a life designed with listening and attuning to your body's unique needs. Neuroscience health coaching involves deeply understanding the inner workings of the nervous system and its role in how it governs the way that we think, behave, feel in our body, and move through the world. A brain-based approach allows us to deeply understand the way trauma has shifted our ability to embody intuition, access safely, and trust ourselves while also providing us a path forward to heal and thrive. You can find out more at coachalissachang.com. Welcome. Thank you, Christine. <laughs> so excited that you're here talking about this. Yeah, so we, so grateful. yeah. And as we were kind of like talking about before we started hitting record, um, this, this area of neuroscience and sort of, you know, how you got into it and how you, as you were telling me, kind of realized it was a game changer. Uh, let's talk about a, what it is and what you feel like was such a game changer in learning about it. Yeah. I think a large part of that is kind of like my own personal journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a competitive athlete, so I was definitely in that perfectionism, no pain, no gain type Mm -hmm. of mentality that Mm -hmm. just drove me to burnout and overtraining. Mm -hmm. And then I stepped into figure competitions because I thought, why not? Right. (laughs) I'm already fit. Let's do this. (laughs) Well, it was already like, it was also just this, like, why don't I just push my body even more, mm, you know, mm-hmm. to that extreme? Right, right. Oh, so did the, you know, traditional dieting, packaging the food, excessive exercise, mm. and exited competitions as what they coin it as metabolic damage. So mm-hmm. I had this severe, you know, rebound experience of leaky gut syndrome, depression, mm. high anxiety. Um, chronic, I mean, so much fatigue that it was like debilitating. I was yeah. sleeping so much yet still never feeling better. Yeah. Um, a really rapid weight gain where I just felt like my body was, you know, taking over and I had absolutely no control. Wow. So I was resorting back to just training traditionally, right. Doing the things that I knew how and work. I yeah. Sicker. Yeah. And I kept getting Mm -hmm. sicker and I was like, what is happening? Like this stuff is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. And so I had a wonderful mentor at that time that kind of, um, presented this certification. I was naming to you Z health performance and education. And they all, all they talked about was the importance of addressing the nervous system, the importance of understanding that inherently our brain and body are always trying to work with us, protect Mm -hmm. us, keep us alive. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but all the things that she's trying to do, I don't get like, (laughs) she's not on my side right now at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was just this combative relationship. And as I learned a lot more about the brain and these you know, structures and the responsibilities of each of these lobes, I was 
able to actually cross that bridge over to working with my body. Mm. So I started to learn a lot more about, you know, what pain really was, you know, why were these symptoms coming up and how do I create a very non-traditional approach to healing my metabolism Mm. and then obviously living a much more aligned life with what truly mattered to me. So Mm -hmm. Neuroscience health coaching is, yeah, adopting that lens of looking at everything from this lens of, you know, she's, she's working with you. She's trying to keep you alive, Mm -hmm. like leaning to those symptoms as helpful data points. Mm. So can you tell us some of the things that you actually started doing to help heal your body in that process? Yeah. I mean, coming off of such a regimented, you know, structured perfection, you know, like the dieting, all the things were so regimented. I had to like really take basically time off from cardio because that just escalated my anxiety, my cravings. I had, I gained weight when I did cardio and most people, right. We read articles. It's like do cardio for weight loss or body changes. Yeah. And so I, you know, scaled back extensively on traditional forms of movement. Mm -hmm. And I literally had to create a much safer word. I had to relearn, I should say how to safely move my body again, mm. because exercise was such a big threat to my nervous system right. that it just pushed me into more starvation mode. It pushed me into survival mode. Right. So I had to walk. And even at, at, at the beginning of my journey, walking was so threatening, like being yeah. up and like moving my body just in that capacity because I was so tired. Yeah. So I worked a lot on relearning how to properly breathe for my nervous mm. system. Uh, come back to the breath. Yep. Yeah. I, um, Z talks a lot about vision therapy. So mm. I had to do a lot of vision therapy. I did a lot of vestibular training, um, and really was in a junction for my journey of just like blank canvas, you are learning a brand new body, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. forget everything that you've trained in the past. And let's like actually take inventory of like what's showing up now and how do I tend to those symptoms? Okay. Sorry. I'm writing things down. Cause I have so many ah. questions that, that just <laughs> came up in the things that you said. So first, can I ask you, mm-hmm. how old were you when this occurred? Mm-hmm. I, um, competed in 2010. Okay. So that was, yeah, like 13 years ago, yeah. Yeah. um, for a year. And then prior to that, I was also in that extreme mentality because I was training as like an intense athlete. Right. Um, and then I, my rebound lasted probably about like, and when I say rebound, that's where like, I felt like my body was fighting me. This right. was like two-ish years. And mm-hmm. I was also very stubborn. So I take full responsibility over not listening to my body. <laughs> Super common. Yeah. Well, and I was asking because I think, um, I see probably not that quite as extreme because necess- you know, um, they may not have been competitive, um, mm-hmm. athletes or anything like that, but I see this in clients a lot, right. Just, especially as you get to your mid thirties and later, you know, the cardio thing, that stops working. Right. And, and it's the same kind of idea. It's just like your body needs to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And this is going against that safety, right? It's like high alert. And so many women come to me and they're like, I don't understand. Cardio was like what I've done for the last 15 years. And it always worked. And suddenly it's not working. And I'm like, okay, so there's multiple factors going on here. But part of that is, you know, as you move into the perimenopausal stage mm-hmm. of life, your body's needs change dramatically. And that like safety, security, 
walking, you know, things like that, that, that we're like, are you kidding me? That doesn't do anything. It does so much for your nervous system and that retraining possibility, you know, and I always tell women, it's not like you're never going to be able to do cardio again, but if you're in this state from the cortisol perspective, where you're either way high cortisol or what I often see by the time they come to me way low cortisol, like if you're trying to like do hit with way low cortisol, you're going to be exhausted, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, you have no oomph in there. And so you need to replenish your system, you know? And uh, um, I know you're talking about some of the ways that you can do that, but yeah, that's why I was interested. I was like, oh, I wonder if she was younger or if you were a little bit further along. Yeah. Can happen at any time. It doesn't have to be about age. Yeah. Totally. And I think that's where like our unique health history, like Mm -hmm. a lot of um, clients that I will work with will be like, well, I didn't compete. And I was like, that's like, that doesn't create like the identity that this is now your, you know, future. Mm -hmm. It's just the amount of like trauma we independently carry, how our brain has adapted. And then we can present very similar experiences and symptoms, regardless of the path that we took to get there. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the story of, you know, this used to work now it doesn't, right. There's nothing more fearful or, you know, anxiety provoking than Mm -hmm. feeling like you don't have control over your body, Mm -hmm. right. That it seems Mm -hmm. to be on its own agenda. And you're like, I'm out of options. What do I do now? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And can you talk more about the trauma piece and how that fits in? Yeah. So, you know, trauma is such a nuanced, very kind of gray space. And so how I like to define it is the the definition I do appreciate is naming that trauma is not necessarily what happened to you. It's what happens inside of you. Mm. And I like to kind of evolve that into, and then it's also the way that your brain has then adapted and attuned to safety. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. we experience something traumatic and people will coin it as big T, little T, but I think it's just trauma is trauma. Across the board, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it will shift how our nervous system basically is going to move through the world. Mm -hmm. So it's highly independent. It's very unique. We catalog a lot of different traumas over the course of our life. Mm -hmm. And if we are um, with the understanding that the brain is always working for and with us, a lot of the ways we cope and self-soothe is a result of our brain feeling some sort of threat or stress or danger. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes, right, all these habits we want to break free of, we want to, you know, not, you know, cope with mindless um, scrolling on social media. And we want to take care of ourselves before we can change. We want to, you know, hold really compassionate space to understand Mm -hmm. like, oh, this has shown up. Mm-hmm. to protect me. Mm-hmm. And so trauma kind of has this really ironic way of showing up for us because it has proven to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. And as more healed, evolved, self-aware person, we then want to acknowledge for our brain and body, like that was in the past. We're much safer right now. And mm-hmm. getting that logical and survival brain to almost meet on the same path. So that healing is right mm-hmm. in our trajectory, in our path forward. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you talked about some of the things that played a role for you, like the breathing, and we certainly could talk more about that, but I'm curious about vision training you mentioned, and then the vestibular something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Vestibular something. Yeah. <laughs> It's so interesting because when people ask like, well, how did you, you know, heal your metabolism? And I was like, well, I had to create safety in my body. And as I started studying the nervous system, 
we want to understand that your visual system, which is housed in our occipital lobe, is mm-hmm. our is our brain's first window into understanding how safe we are. Mm. So we have two eyes that are taking so much input in from colors, from moving objects, from shapes, etc. Mm-hmm. If our eyes, however, do not work well by themselves, don't work well together, can't see clearly, mm-hmm. we will automatically navigate the world with more threat. Mm, so we may always get headaches. And then on, you know, on top of that, we're all on zoom, right? We're on screens, right. like so much of our world. Scroll is right them, yeah. mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So our eyes are just like muscles in the rest of our body that for some reason, right. Fitness and health culture, we're not really encouraged to train them as often. Right. Right. So as a result, just like muscles, right. They get tight. When my muscles get tight, our range of motion, motion decreases, our pain mm. probably increases. And then we, again, move through the world with more rigidity and hypervigilance, mm-hmm. both common side effects of trauma. So for vision therapy, there's these four specific categories. We can learn how to move our eyes better through similar to how we would want to, you know, strengthen our hamstrings to be a better runner Mm -hmm. that we want to address like our healing process and our health journey from like this whole human approach and not necessarily forget everything from the neck down, right? Right. Our our tongue, our eyes, our ears, our nose all play a very, very big role Mm -hmm. in our brain understanding how safe we are. Interesting. Yeah. You don't really think about the, the, I mean, the senses, right. It makes sense. Like you're Mm -hmm. taking things in via your senses. And so, um, there are, you know, just all these traditional ideas of the things that we should be working out and focusing on that kind of thing. And yet, um, it makes perfect sense to me, of course, like your vision is going to, is going to have an impact, a huge impact on the situation. So are there like eye exercises in, in that then? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Can you show us one? Yeah. Yeah. So the nervous system moves ex- exponentially fast. So I always encourage clients to basically assess something before we do any type of movement, both mm-hmm. objectively and subjectively. So mm-hmm. while you're here with me, you can sit up nice and tall mm-hmm. and then Christine, just rotate your head to the right and then to the left. And then all you're doing is taking inventory of how, how you feel. Okay. Do you feel any tension or pain? How does your range of motion feel on one side versus the other? Mm-hmm. How does it feel? So yeah, I definitely, so my right side is tighter. I can feel Mm -hmm. it in here. And then, so my range of motion is definitely better on the left side. Okay, great. Yeah. So um, what we want to do is I'm going to take you through a very quick kind of vision exercise. You're basically going to follow your thumb, head and neck, stay nice and still. Okay. And you're going to track your thumb in a circle. Okay. And as you do this again, your neck stays still and your eyes are just moving through this range of motion. We'll go three in each direction. Okay. okay? And I'm just going to watch you. And then if you can, Christine, let's go a little slower and then a little bigger with your circle. And all I want you to track for yourself is at any point, does the circle feel tighter? Is it up and to the left? It feels a little more eye strain. Maybe you start to hold your breath. Maybe your heart rate changes. Yeah, I noticed more tightness up um, on this right-hand side, like all the Mm -hmm. way up on the side. Mm -hmm. And then all I'm doing is I'm just watching and assessing you. Gotcha. Great. So yeah, and I would say definitely more tightness here and then almost across the top too. Yeah. Yeah. Try and check your neck. So you're just going to reassess to see how this feels. 
Do you feel any less grippy or tension in the back of the right side? I have more range of motion for sure on the right side. Like I still feel some stuff in there, but it's definitely, I can take it further than I could before. Yeah. Right. So here's the interesting thing. Muscles will become tight as a protective response. If our eyes, we did a quick vision drill, Mm -hmm. I could have done maybe a vestibular drill. I could have done a breath work drill, anything that can decrease your level of threat and improve Mm -hmm. map clarity, brain map clarity. We're talking about vision. So we did a vision circle. Um, but when we reduce tension, all we want to catalog for our brain is like, oh, our brain really liked that. It helped Mm. improve our visual map. And as a result, Christine's body didn't have to create muscle tension. Mm. So in many cases, right, we go to massage therapists, maybe we roll on the muscle, but is Mm -hmm. the muscle just the symptom, right? That's not the root issue. So neuroscience health coaching allows us to get a much deeper understanding of someone's brain and why symptoms are presenting itself so that we can actually rewire from a much more foundational level. And then hopefully, right. Most, I mean, a lot of my clients end up walking with a lot of tools so that then they're like, Oh, I feel creaky in my neck instead of modifying their posture. Right. Maybe they hold excess tension, which just is them placing themselves more in that survival state. Mm -hmm. If we reduce muscular tension, our brain is expending less energy, which Mm -hmm. can then be focused on, you know, client calls, executing Mm -hmm. tasks at work, whatever it may be that Mm -hmm. they become more efficient movers and efficient people during the day. Mm -hmm. So one thing as I was assessing your eyes Mm -hmm. is I could definitely tell, right. That the upper right quadrant. And then Mm -hmm. as you went into eye extension, which is Mm -hmm. just the upper half of the circle, your eyes had a harder time staying on the target point. Mm. So you started to skip ahead, which is a very normal thing that the brain will do when it doesn't like to keep its eyes in a spot. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. Some follow-up questions I would inquire about you is, you know, have you had any kind of trauma, stress, or anything that happened above you? That's mm. one thought question we could entertain. Okay. And then also kind of what has happened up to the right. So Mm -hmm. the brain will always kind of chunk these traumatic events with maybe eye position. So Mm -hmm. up to the right is a common area, especially if the clients have had um, like a car accident where they were rear ended. Mm. So they looked in their rear view mirror, saw Uh. that the car behind them wasn't stopping, rear ended them. The brain chunked looking up to the right with something bad happening. I definitely had that happen to me in San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of, for this listening, we were talking about how we both used to live in San Francisco before we got on. I was like, yep, got rear ended twice. But the first time was me. I saw it happen, like, because I was looking in the rear view mirror. Yeah, interesting. So how we want to understand this is that when we've experienced something unpredictable that um, uh, we have that reflexive startle response Mm -hmm. and our eyes are locked in a position, the brain may now chunk, right? Oh, looking up to the right for Christine is not a safe eye position. Mm -hmm. So then over the course of years going by, you don't look up to the right. Mm -hmm. You don't Mm -hmm. look up to the right, right? You lose that ability to um, utilize your peripheral vision to take an input. Right. Then what we could notice is you have a lot of right-sided tension or pain, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You have like, oh, your migraines tend to sit on the right side. You have right Mm -hmm. shoulder issue. Your Mm -hmm. right hip often bothers you, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because kind of a lot has happened on the right side of my body. Right. So they, uh, when I was mentioning to you, the surgery that I went through, um, the main area that they burned me was in the right side on my Mm -hmm. colon. 
And basically when I was having, you know, everything dumping out into my abdominal cavity, a lot of it was on that right side, definitely built up. I had multiple abscesses that ended up happening under my liver on that right side. So there's a lot going on, you know, and then actually, I mean, this is maybe way off and not in your, um, you know, views, but I just had a friend remind me recently that um, years ago I had a reading done where it, in a past life I had a literal like disc thrown into me on my right side. So essentially there's a lot yeah. of trauma well, on that right totally. side. Yeah. Do you've ever um, read any books or uh, research around generational or lineage trauma? A, a, bit, lot yeah. of, mm-hmm. a lot of how we show up in the world kind of isn't, I mean, I shouldn't say kind of, it isn't all ours. Yeah. We yep. carry a lot of these generations of very, you know, um, triggering events happening that we, how we show up in the world really provides us hopefully that compassionate space to be like, wow, I'm doing an amazing job given all the stuff yep. I'm carrying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No so doubt. I, yeah. I'm kind of like, my philosophy is that I have some clients that are so, so in tune. They have like these experiences that to me, I'm like, wow, that makes a lot of sense from what I'm assessing for movement that mm. there may have been right. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like this generational trauma mm-hmm. that was influencing your nervous system mm-hmm. that how you show up, right. Someone could do soft tissue on you over and over again, but if it's not addressed from the deeper roots of how this has impacted you, right. It, going to continue to show up again. Right. Right. It's like, it's, you know, especially if you think genetically, it's, it's literally on a cellular level. Right. So it's like, you have to change these things. Yeah. I mean, the massage is, is helpful in the moment or the chiropractic work or any of those things, but for it to actually stick and be something different. Yeah. You have to go to that deeper level. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, So what's the vestibular training? Yeah. So the vestibular system is your inner ear, which is responsible for us understanding our relationship to gravity. So Mm -hmm. it's as big as like the pinky fingernail in you and it lives in your inner ear. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I take someone's health history form, what I'm looking for is the symptoms that they name and where I know these symptoms to live in the body. Mm. So let's say someone is like, Oh, I always get motion sickness. I hate roller coaster rides. I could never be a passenger driving. I Mm. hate winding roads. I have a high pain threshold. Mm. Um, those are very characteristic symptoms Mm. of someone's vestibular system, not working well for them. Mm -hmm. So they may take dramamine, right? They Mm -hmm. may Mm -hmm. start to remove enjoyable options from their life as a result Mm. of their brain being compromised. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I think about what I do, yes, I work with the brain and body, but ultimately I want to create so much, um, expertise and comfort and safety for your brain and body so that then you don't have to say no to the things that ultimately would bring you joy or would connect you to the people and relationships Mm -hmm. in your life. So Mm -hmm. not saying that we all need to be comfortable riding on roller coaster rides, but, but yeah, you know, maybe we want to take that windy car ride to the beach that's on the other side of the road, you know? So, right. Yeah. um, So the vestibular system is commonly, again, linked to those symptoms. Um, I tend to attract a lot of clients who have vestibular deficits Mm -hmm. and how we train that is really looking at different head nodding and head motions. Um, If you just think about like jump roping, that's a vestibular input system. Mm. When we um, 
people who say they hate running, usually it's not necessarily that you're not a skilled runner, but maybe your breathing is dysfunctional at rest. That would make Mm. movement feel so challenging. Mm -hmm. It could also be a balance thing. So if running is a single leg exercise, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) if your inner ear isn't appropriately interpreting your environment, running is going to be an extreme amount of threat. Mm. So I recently started to dabble back into running and I was like, well, let me start from the fundamentals. Let me Mm -hmm. look at my breathing at rest. Let me assess that. Let me start my breath work training. Let me assess my vestibular system. Okay. Let me start adding in all the vestibular inputs. And I have not run in a really long time. And I was like, oh my God, I have no pain. I feel Mm. like I'm more in shape than I would anticipate given that I have not run in a really long time. Right. Right. Because I'm laying the foundations to make running right. Feel safe for my brain. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, and the reason that I was like, oh yeah, about the inner ear thing, um, Mm. aspect is because my mom, you know, just started having these balance issues Mm. and Mm -hmm. a PT friend of mine was like, oh yeah, you know, you can go to, physical therapy that, and they can, um, it's the vestibular, I guess, physical therapy, because so much of the balance stuff is, is what's happening in there and and not necessarily, you know, on the outside of our bodies, which we, we might think is where it's stemming from. Totally. And a lot of like fitness health culture will prioritize proprioception, which is like, you know, joint mechanics, mobility, stretching, right. And that is a very valuable component to moving through the world safely in connection to ourselves and our body. However, if we look at the neural hierarchy, so Mm -hmm. the hierarchy of how the brain inputs information, vision is at the top, Mm -hmm. then it's the vestibular system, Mm -hmm. then it's our proprioceptive system. So proprioception is actually a lower need of how the nervous system depends. Uh, I should say how the nervous system depends on creating safety okay. is actually at the lower end. So we want to prioritize vision and vestibular. Mm-hmm. Inputs. Mm-hmm. The hard part is that not many people like I'll go to like the gym and I'm doing all my vision stuff. And I'm like, people probably think I'm <laughs> weird, you know, <laughs> but it's You're like, whatever, put up with it. <laughs> Can yeah, you, but I'm like, I have no pain, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, this is working for me. Let me show yeah. you how it's done. So can you show us a vestibular exercise? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what I'll have you do is something called VOR. So we actually have two tiny little organs inside of our inner ear, one that controls up and down motion and one that controls kind of forward and back translation. So we're going to isolate, um, or we're just, we're actually going to, it's going to be a combination of vision and vestibular. So again, we're going to assess you. So just Mm check your neck rotation. So side to side, we're gauging again, how does, you know, Christine's body feel right now? Does she still have that lack of tensioning in the right side? There's still some tension there. I can, yeah, I can go further still, but there's still some tension in there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what I'm going to have you do is your eyes are going to stay on a target point straight ahead. Okay. And your head is going to actually move. So you see how my eyes stay on the target Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and then I'm going to switch sides. So we're doing a VOR drill. Okay. Um, and it's called vestibular ocular reflex. Good. And just switching. Good. And Christine, as you feel more comfortable, you're just going to increase the tempo. So what we want to do is we want to get that fluid in the inner ear ear canal to just move. And the way we do that is just gently increasing speed. And we want to stay on that target point. Good. And as you continue to move through this, we'll go a few more times on each direction. You're paying attention to how each side feels. And then we can walk through what I'm noticing in your assessment or in this drill. 
Okay. <laughs> I, okay. I definitely noticed like, just like being, um, it's like smooth, smooth, not smooth. <laughs> smooth, smooth. Yeah. I love smooth. that you could attune to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your very end range of motion, right? There was yeah. like a specific tempo and then like yeah. that motion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just check your neck to see how that feels. Okay. So again, we're noting how that, Better. um, yeah. Any tensioning in the back of the right? Neck? Um, less there's, it's just tiny, a little tiny bit now, but yeah, definitely Beautiful. much better than it was. Yeah. 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 So that's a very quick vestibular drill. We're again, gotcha. moving the inner ear canal. Um, it gets a big, there's a big eye stretch in combination with this. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's a pretty demanding drill for the nervous system because mm-hmm. for some people they've never stretched or mobilized their eyes in, with right. intention. Right. Um, and also having you isolate your eye position while moving your head, you know? So there's right. a lot of things going on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that men, many cases, people will feel kind of like this kind of fatigue and tiredness after mm-hmm. doing some drills. Mm-hmm. And it's like a tiredness that's kind of desirable in a way. And it's right. really because your nervous system has gotten out of being like, mm, on, right. you know, and very sense. like, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking about how important this kind of work is for people that are, um, you know, like so many of my clients are trying to calm their nervous systems. Right. Mm-hmm. And doing, doing things like meditation, visualization, EFT, all of which I love taking adaptogenic herbs, things like that, you know, but um, I think a lot of people can get stuck and say, mm. well, I'm kind of doing all those things and I'm still yeah. in this place, you know? So it, it's really interesting to really think about these kinds of exercises that are getting at the areas that we're not necessarily working with normally is, totally. um, so hugely impactful and helpful. So I'm super excited that people get to listen and hear about this today. Yeah. Cause I think it'll be, it's just another layer and level, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like the interesting thing is with traditional ways of like, okay, I'm going to meditate to de-stress a lot of the clientele, you probably have a very similar, you know, kind of like funnel of people where they are feeling like they're not, not I was going to say, it's not distress (laughs) taking them down because they're like, I'm stressed out at how bad I am at meditating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, this is like missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when we understand that there's like these different trauma responses, we carry a lot of the flight responders where they like self-soothe by moving their energy. So they're mm-hmm. fidgeting, they're mm-hmm. multitasking, they're decluttering their closet at 10 o'clock at night when mm-hmm. they feel something right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meditation becomes one of the worst things, right? Mm-hmm. The unhealthiest thing sense, for your yeah. stress and, you know, the hypervigilance you have. Right, so right. Relearning authentic ways to rest your brain and body is such a priority because rest is where, you know, a lot of the healing happens, yeah. but if our, like we're forcing ourselves to fit into a box of rest, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you will always feel bad at it, but it's not you. Right. It's just the tool. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that is it. Finding that true rest is, um, hard for a lot of people, you know, because right. of, all the things happening outside of us all the time. And then, you know, particularly if we're talking in hormones, as you age and sleep, it becomes harder. And, and so we just have this sort of constant, you know, building of that being in your sympathetic nervous system, you know, way, way too often. And so you're missing out on all that rest. I mean, that repair that happens during rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that just throws hormones off even more, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard because so many of us, right, have learned to survive at a specific pace that 
our brain has so much more repetition in mm. hustling or like mm. disregarding the pings for slowing down mm-hmm. and when we adjust the pace of how we move and we're trying to reestablish a different rhythm to move through life. Mm-hmm. What we want to recognize is that any change initially will be interpreted as a threat by the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Ooh, is yep. this safe? Yep. Like, yep. Is, this is new. We okay? don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So all of that unknown, right. Normalizing that if, when you choose to change the pace, the style, et cetera, it's okay if your first response is anxiety or nervousness, right? Mm -hmm. Breathe through that, name it, and then reassure yourself. And in some capacity, whether it's a vision drill, breathwork drill, something that you are safe in this moment is so Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. I love that. So are these exercises that you do daily for yourself? Or, you know, I guess probably a lot of people are wondering, like, does this become a part of my daily routine? Or is it something I do for a period of time, et cetera? Ah, great question. So, you know, for me, um, there's like a repertoire drills that I know are high payoffs. So mm-hmm. I know that if I do them, I will immediately feel my anxiety take a notch down. I'll mm-hmm. feel more embodied. I'll probably mm-hmm. reduce, you know, any type of nagging pain. Mm-hmm. So there's a repertoire that I love doing every day and I love doing it. It's not something I'm like, Oh, I have to do my brain based drills, mm-hmm. right? It's like something that I crave. Mm-hmm. Um, the upkeep of it, if we kind of concept conceptualize, like what is neuroplasticity and changing the rewiring of the brain, there has to be upkeep in some regard, but we want to make it practical, right? Realistic. So if I have like a strength training day, I'll just insert all my vision and breath work within my movement practice Mm -hmm. so that like, I also am recovering faster. I'm Mm -hmm. resetting quote unquote, resetting my nervous system so that every time I step back up to do a squat, a lift, whatever, I feel the, like it's set one rep Mm -hmm. one. So I can build resiliency in a much more um, efficient way because I'm always tending to right the capacity and load I'm building in a workout. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, I do them almost every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're practical. They're super easy. Like you did three circles in each direction, reduced or improved your range of motion. Mm -hmm. You can do three circles, you know, throughout the day and it takes a handful of seconds. So, right. Right like it from that standpoint that it's like very practical and digestible. Yeah. 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 And I like the idea of doing it before a workout. I mean that, you know, I think there's a lot of talk recently too, in particular around weight training, um, for women, you know, as they age, it can help so much with your bone health and, um, your testosterone, all those things. And, um, you know, sometimes I think, we can jump into these things when our body's not fully ready. And kind of like you said, it, you know, may have a a intense reaction because it may be um, kicking you into more of your sympathetic nervous system. So I like the idea of using this as a foundation before you Mm -hmm. hit the weights, you know, and, and really in, in talking about neuroplasticity, we know now, right. That that continues through the rest of our lives. It's not like they used to think, oh, once you get old, brain doesn't change at all. Right. It's just, it just gets worse, you know? And it's like, no, we know that's not the case. So it's like, we, you know, I think we know in general, like we're not going to maintain muscle in our arms if we don't go to the gym consistently and lift some weights or do, do some, you know, kind of workout. The same is true for all these other things. It's like, it has to become a part of, of who we are. And, and I'm sure too, like changing things up sometimes is helpful yeah, too, right? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. Right? My name that the brain will interpret 
you know, any initial change is threatening, but the yeah. brain also deeply craves novelty. Right. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you that's how we get our like, dopamine hits. Like give me something right. new. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that balance for each of us to be able to identify like what's mm-hmm. enough new things I can, I personally have the capacity to intake mm-hmm. appropriately mm-hmm. before it, you know, exceeds my own capacity where it becomes threatening. Right. right. And that's right. Like individualized as well. Absolutely. Something you have to just deeply pay attention to in your own life on kind of yeah. continuous basis. So you obviously work with one, uh, people one-on-one on these things. You also do group programs. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just closed doors on my six month brain-based group coaching program called better expert where okay. We run through brain-based assessments. We're looking at three specific pillars that I believe are very foundational for creating this plastic plasticity change. Mm-hmm. Um, so we look at things from a neuro nutrition lens as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, hunger and fullness cues, obviously with you being such an expert in hormones, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding that hormones are really driving how we feel. Mm-hmm. And if we understand that the brain governs everything underneath that, mm-hmm. including hormones, let's mm-hmm. look at the nervous system. So yeah. Yeah. We look at that and Very then cool. um, movement, obviously. And then mm-hmm. we also explore this mindfulness piece around, you know, things like boundary setting, like how mm-hmm. it is to establish it. boundaries <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as a way to create safety, like for your brain and body to learn safety, right? Yes. And if you can create boundaries in one avenue of your life, your boundaries yeah. with movement, exercise, uh, nutrition are all going to line up and be paralleled with that. So, yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. So will you do, I know you said it just closed for six months. Will you do another one not long after that or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I run it. Um, I think this is my seventh round of it and it's, you know, obviously every time I close doors, I'm like, Ooh, time to revamp it, improve it, get feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result of better expert, because it's such, I coin it as you going to school for your body. So mm-hmm. we're working on training the brain to heal the body. Mm-hmm. But I realized that a lot of the demographic I work with are the ones that are really navigating a lot of survival. So sometimes the container better expert is intensive and their Mm -hmm. brain isn't at the space to actually be that student of their body yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I created a much more kind of self-paced, there's calls within it, but Mm -hmm. you can kind of move really at a pace that honors yourself and Mm -hmm. your nervous system Mm -hmm. expedition, which then allows you to get familiarized with neuroscience and why I take this brain-based approach so that then you can build some uh, building blocks. And then maybe by the time the next time better expert rolls around, you're like, Oh, I get it. I'm much more, you know, in this kind of stable place with my brain and body that better expert seems much more at a better time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Very cool. This is amazing, amazing work that you're doing. I'm so happy that you're doing it and sharing it with the world, because I know that, um, you know, we need, we need a lot of support around our nervous system. And it really is the, the centerpiece of our hormonal health, I always say, you know, but, um, so much of our health in general. So thank you. Yeah. And thank you for breaking it all down for us so well and showing some of those exercises too. So let people know how they can get in touch with you. Yes. So as you mentioned, my website is coachalissachang.com. I am on Instagram at coachalissachang.com. 
And then um, on my website, there's different options to, you know, um, subscribe to a newsletter called Nerdy Notes, where I send over weekly digestible neuroscience topics. Usually it's stuff that, you know, I'm noticing come up in my community, maybe personally for myself. And I try Mm -hmm. to break it down in a way that is digestible. So Mm -hmm. have some sort of conceptual um, actionable stuff to take as you're moving through a very messy part of like healing, right? Mm -hmm. Trauma, trauma, healing the brain working with the body. So those are kind of like my ways of, um, you know, sharing content that Mm -hmm. hopefully can create with time, right. Mm -hmm. Some shifts in how we start to relate to the body. Nice. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate your time today being here with us and I know everybody's going to have some great takeaways. So awesome. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, you guys, I will see you next week.